That was really awesome. Uh, first, uh, first Australian guest. We have uh, another one lined up tomorrow for the the same time tomorrow. Where we have uh, Murray Hallam on. So, uh, always fun to have people from uh, the opposite side of the planet uh, talking about uh, what they're doing down there uh, uh, and uh, just a different perspective, especially from someone like uh, uh, Dr. Leonard, uh, who's uh, written a really extensive books on on this topic. So, very very cool. Um, we also have, uh, I think we'll do another quick giveaway and, um, and thank our sponsors. I um, wanted to say a quick shout out to Mammoth Microbes, uh, Spectrum King LED, um, uh, Real Growers, Optic Foliar, Foop Organic Sciences, uh, or I'm sorry, Foop Organic Biosciences, uh, and True Aquaponics Store for sponsoring the, uh, the um, conference and giving us products to give away for people. Um, you know, really awesome of them. To do that and uh, try and help uh, steer people towards products that are, uh, you know, a little more friendly to their their environment and, um, uh, you know, away from uh, a lot of the chemical stuff that's out there. So, thanks a lot for uh, for for doing that. Really appreciate it, and the community really appreciates it. So, uh, we had uh, Rasta Jeff is not feeling well. Uh, I just spoke to him about 30 minutes ago, and um, so he's not going to be able to join us tonight. So we're going to have. Uh, uh, Wade Laughter uh, and uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine are going to join us uh, for the breeder panel. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Wade Laughter is the, uh, the father of many of the CBD strains that you see out there. And he's put, done a lot of work with um, information and getting that information about CBD out to the masses and, and, and uh, worked with a lot of children on CBD and just a lot, lots of different things involving CBD. It's a um, uh, uh, great to have him on the show. And then we also have uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, who's uh, kind of the king and queen of regenerative cannabis. And uh, we're really uh, grateful to have you guys on and uh, <laughs> um, uh, couldn't, be, uh, couldn't be happier. So thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Nice to see you, Josh and Kelly. You too, Wade. And thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here and to support you and to see you all and to uh, be here today. Mm -hmm. I got stung by a bee, so my eyes kind of swole, as they say. I got good and stung up yesterday, so. Oh, no. That's not good. We were, uh, we were just talking about wasps earlier and uh, on a, a different, uh, with a different guest, so it's kind of funny. It's been a recurring theme today. <laughs> Uh, so uh, hopefully you get better and it isn't uh, too much of a problem there for you. What uh, What is the herbal remedy you've been using for it? I'm sure you have something good singing nettle maybe or? Uh, chew chewing on plantain, um, at, you know, one of the weeds in the yard is, is one of the first things I did. <clears throat> and, uh, and make a paste out of that with your saliva and just put that on the eye. And so we made a, like a poultice with plantain and, uh, you know, and then a little bentonite clay activated charcoal a little bit later and uh some apis homeopathic exactly the apis homeopathic right away sky went up and got that for me kelly had that set up and it was awesome it was a big huge hole in our field that was 
dug up by the bear probably earlier that morning and the bear just found a huge beautiful wasp nest and Josh was filming it and got too close. I went up to film it and, and I just usually the bees are chill but I guess when you get your home ripped apart you know it's probably not the best time to be filming. <laughs> so. so I got so. told. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you got stung but uh, uh. <laughs> it's a it's a good it's immune good. boost. It's nice dose good. of nature. Yeah, yeah, it's good for the for the histamine reaction and good for glandular flow if you're you know don't have allergies to it. So you know it's helpful for the immune response. All thankful to the wasps. Very, very good. Uh, wasps are great for the garden too, uh, for getting rid of your caterpillars and and other stuff that uh, aren't so plant friendly. So definitely an ally in the garden for sure. Uh, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, plant breeding. A lot of people out there are wanting to get started with um, their own breeding programs, uh, both soil and aquaponic growers out there uh, uh, and cannabis growers all, all, all around. So um, I thought maybe we could start off is uh, what, what kind of advice do you have for someone just getting started uh, trying to, to get into breeding? Uh, I guess we can start off with, with you, Josh and Kelly, and then we can uh, uh, rotate over to, to Wade. One thing that comes to mind is just to know, you know, to identify what you're looking for, you know, what type of breeding you're going to do, what your environment is. Is it indoor? Is it outdoor? Is it greenhouse? Um, you know, and identifying, um, I think having an intention, you know, in breeding makes a lot of sense and knowing, knowing about the lineage that you're working with. I mean, it can be willy-nilly and you can make anything out of anything crossed and there's always a magic to that and that's the beauty of cannabis but but having an intention and and knowing your varietals you're working with and then using your environment the best and and if possible doing it you know if you can do it in your backyard or in the ground and in soil under the sun and moon and and stars and do like a one season outdoor um seed germination and and breeding that to, to me that's a really beautiful you know way to to do it and start and just be kind of realistic about your breeding absolutely yeah d uh, definitely incorporating and bouncing plants back and forth between your your greenhouse and your outdoor to make sure that they're adapted to that local climate and getting the benefits of that local terroir and uh, the local microbes that that happen to be in your area for sure um, do it using those IMO collections and, and things as well in your aquaponic system to help further mineralize things can be a great way to, to take advantage and, and really bring those things inside uh, as well. I also suggest <clears throat> a lot of us have like huge collections of seeds and people give us seeds from all around and if you're starting something um, and you've got like a whole lot of seeds even if they're old seeds I really suggest doing a crystal dowsing um, to decide which, you know, seeds that, you know, you want to plant that season. It, it just every year goes to show us when we're doing the crystal dowsing with the plants, like which one is going to be the best varietals this year. It always tells us this year was the, the glazed um, ghost. Yeah, the glazed ghost and uh, the dowsing every time just went crazy over the, the seeds. We planted a whole bunch of them and and also, you know, moon, moon planting as well. When they do go into the ground, make sure that it's a nice water moon um, and it's it's a waning. So that's helpful, waning water moon. 
Wonderful. for planting best varietals. Well, what about you, Wayne? Um, a lot what Josh and Kelly said. Um, I, I pay attention to the moon cycles and uh, use the biodynamic planting calendar. Um, I, I really liked Josh's observation about intention um, because that's, that's really been my, I mean, <clears throat> back when Harlequin happened, um, I realized that CBD plants were gonna be of interest to people. And I, I also decided that THC was probably be would be taken care of by many of the other folks that are out there uh, doing this work. Um, and part of what happened for me as I got to know people who actually truly needed cannabis to treat some condition they were suffering from, uh, it really became important to recognize that I was, when germinating seeds and putting plants in the ground and selecting plants that, that my thoughts were often with those persons that I was hoping would see benefit from what we were doing. And, um, and I can't point to science that says that has anything to do with what you get, uh, but it is my experience that it has something to do with what you get. It, it's really about what are you looking for? And then that's where, as Josh was mentioning, you know, look at the lineage that you're working with. What are the genetics of the plant that you're using as the mother? What are the genetics of the plant you're using as the father? How might those genetics help each other? How might they be a contradiction to each other. And, uh, and the thing that's beautiful is cannabis is so insanely elastic, if you will, in its genetics. You can create all kinds of versions of the traditional classic cannabis plant. Um, I have to say that one of the things that I, uh, is kind of sad to me as I've watched the breeding of the cannabis plant and the various expressions of it you find around the cannabis space is most people are either focused primarily on THC things or focused on just CBD things. And in working with people who really need cannabis for to sustain them, uh, we have found again and again that what we refer to as type two cannabis or cannabis that's has THC and CBD and other cannabinoids in it, along with the terpenes is where we really see the greatest benefit. And so, um, you know, like many breeders, uh, when I'm looking for females and males that I want to cross with each other, yes, I, when I can, I have access to lab results of what those plants are likely to give in terms of cannabinoids. But I'm also looking at the structure of the plant, how well is it doing in the environment that I can offer them? Um, how does it smell, you know? Um, is the plant happy in the circumstances I can offer it? And if it is, then that, that's a plant of interest to me because one of the things I've realized is the different genetic expressions of cannabis can do really well in my garden and other versions of cannabis do really poorly. And I think it has a lot to do with the environmental conditions and the soil food web that I can offer them. Um, I've loved some of the conversation I've heard today about um, making your own inputs and uh, how to feed your system. And uh, so much of what was being shared really applies also to soil. 
and I'm I'm not an aquaponics farmer. I, I've 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 had friends who have done it, and uh, I have a big, wild nature lat pond on our property that has a bunch of fish and plants and all kinds of beauty going on. And we use that water to water our food forest. But um, the state of California has very strict laws about water and cannabis. And no, we can't use it on our cannabis. It's kind of fascinating. Um, so that's kind of where I come from on, on the breeding thing is, is really, I'm, I'm looking for things that help a little child, a child that has seizures or uh, a friend that has uh, colon cancer or um, multiple sclerosis or the, the conditions are so varied and wide that cannabis seems to provide some benefit for. And that's really, I would ask <laughs> more and more breeders to really think about that, pay attention to that. And of course there's undeniable therapeutic benefit in the part of the cannabis plant that I most enjoy, which is the psychoactivity. It's really a beautiful thing. And THC has many therapeutic properties. Um, and many people are scared of psychoactivity because like many medicines, cannabis is very dose dependent. Uh, a small dose or you know, one puff on a joint, if you will, is gonna give you a considerably different experience than smoking the whole thing all by yourself when it's top shelf flour. They're just really different experiences and both are valid. It's really a question of which one are you looking for? And, and most people, a lot of people that I encounter are interested in the therapeutic benefit of cannabis without the psychoactivity. Uh, and I try and educate them on the importance of THC. But what's true is any medicine that you might formulate for someone, they it's up to them if they're gonna use it. It doesn't do them any good sitting in the bottle or in the jar that you've made for them uh, if they don't use it. So uh, you really have to find the preparation that works for the end user. And that's, that's been a guiding principle in my breeding for a number of years now. So I'll stop. What do you got, Josh? Nothing other than love. I have a lot of love for what you just said and yeah. appreciation for, you know, your approach and your, you know, your wisdom and everything. So I'll just stoked to let that, that be, that was what, that was good. Important wise words. Uh, what, uh, on, on that note, what cultivars have you found that have been very therapeutic for maybe a wide range of, of people out there that, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people watching this because they have a family member who's sick or because they are wanting to, to get into this and start creating it. Maybe they're, their area newly legalized or their country newly legalized and they want to, they want to be part of this. What are some of the cultivars that, um, you know, you've really seen that, that help people? Uh, well, historically, um, going back a number of years, Harlequin, of course, seemed to provide, uh, a wide range of benefits to a large number of people. Um, it's increasingly hard to find. I don't have any harlequin on my farm at this point. Um, I know folks in the area who are still working with it. Um, and she was a wonderful plant. Uh, ACDC is one that's fairly well known, um, but is a really interesting plant because when you start talking about 
there's so many benefits that ACDC seems to offer, particularly for seizure disorders and uh, um, neurological pain, uh, peripheral neuropathy, those kind of things. Um, and it has very little THC, so it's uh, the psychoactivity is not much of an issue for many of the folks who use it. One of the things that's most interesting about ACDC is it taught me something about the importance of environment for cannabis plants. Um, ACDC is out of Canatonic originally, is my understanding. It was first identified on the Mendocino coast of California, where the humidity is typically 60% or more. Uh, temperatures rarely get above 80 degrees. Um, fog is a frequent feature. Um, and in those conditions, ACDC grows really beautifully. It's a, tr it's a traditional, almost indica type plant. It's a cross of indica and sativas uh, based on leaf structure and morphology of the plant. But, but um, when you bring ACDC to my garden, I'm at, I'm at about a thousand meters above sea level uh, in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Uh, our daytime temperatures in the summertime get up into the 90s pretty routinely. Our humidity is in the low teens or even single digits. And in these conditions, ACDC grows like a fern. It can barely hold its own weight up when you uh, flower it. So, um, and I just thought, oh, it's a symptom of this, it's a characteristic of this plant. This is just the way it is. And that was the first three years I grew it. But uh, then a friend showed me some ACDC that he had growing indoors. And his climate control was mimicking what's available on the Mendocino coast. And so the last year I grew ACDC, um, we put up a 60% shade fabric structure over four little plants that I, four little cuts that I put out in around June 15th, they were about six inches tall and uh, lightly watered, misted the uh, deep ground mulch that we had. And we've been doing lasagna bed type regenerative practices here for a number of years. So they had a good place to start and we kept the soil top layer mulch, mulch pretty moist through the summer. So there was relative humidity inside that shade structure they were getting enough light that they got to be oh, five feet tall and six or seven feet wide. And we got, uh, I think it was 16, like 7,000 some grams out of um, those four little plants. And we took the shade fabric off in September and yeah, it grew like a more traditional cannabis plant. So if you have high humidity and low temperatures, ACDC is a great one. Um, we've had some good luck with uh, some of the things that Lawrence Ringo did, uh, Harley Sue, Sour Tsunami, um, his conditions in Southern Humboldt were similar to our own here in Nevada County. Um, uh, there were a pair of cultivars that came by a couple of years ago called Remedy and Therapy uh, that both did real well here. Uh, both high CBD, low THC, with some other uh, what are known as minor cannabinoids, if you will. Um, Medihaze um, out of uh, rosin seeds in Spain. 
um, the, back in 2012. Uh, we got some seeds from them and um, one of the batch they sent was referred to as Medihaze. It's a similar cannabinoid profile to Harlequin, a different uh, terpene profile and dramatically effective for some of the kids dealing with seizures that we work with. So um, that's right off the top of my head. What I love is there's lots and lots more of uh, high CBD type three or hemp plants happening with wonderful cannabinoids. What I'm really looking forward to is some of the cannabis farmers uh, integrating their high THC things with their with the potential high CBD things to start generating more of those type two cultivars. And I really think quite honestly that we've driven the breeding around THC so far down the THC path. There's a lot of potential consumers that don't really enjoy uh, modern cannabis. Uh, it's too much for them. And I know that um, at least according to the prohibitionists back when I first tried cannabis, uh, most of the cannabis you got from Jamaica or Mexico or wherever had CBD and THC in it. Most of them had more THC than CBD, but most of the land races like um, breeder Steve earlier was talking about Santa Marta. Uh, according to DJ Short back in the 60s when he was going to school in Mexico, Santa Marta uh, had almost as much CBD as it did THC and he really loved it. So uh, I really think what's coming, the next thing, if you will, in the cannabis space is cannabis that has enough CBD to feel good for the user. Not to blow the top of your head off, not to lay you out on the couch all afternoon, but to just feel good, to have fun again. And Lord knows with the way our culture is unfolding at the moment, all across the world, uh, we could all use a little fun. And I'll stop there. I love you guys. Thanks so much. What about, what about you, Josh and Kelly? What are some of the ones that you've seen a lot of people have good luck with in terms of uh, more therapeutic stuff, uh, uh, like a one to good one-to-ones and, and other things like that? Yeah. Um definitely the harlequin we got a harlequin the harlequin just to go back on a few of the same things that, that wade said was and you know we had the harlequin early early on as the clone we got from a friend in portland and grew that up for kelly's mom at the time and that was really useful and that was sort of the beginning of our journey into cbd and understanding what it was because it was all really so new at the time and uh, it was just a really beautiful plant um, with really, you know, just good growth and, and mid-range leaves um, and uh, not too fat, not too thin, but nice in between. And uh, then we got a, some of the CBD got connected, um, you know, with ACDC yeah. and grew, grew a good amount of the ACDC yeah. up, a clone that we got and brought it up to our environment up in British Columbia which have, hearing Wade you saying that about it being a good coastal strain was, it did really well up here. So in the part of British Columbia that we are is, is an inland rainforest and it's, it's definitely a wetter environment in general. So 
it turned out really fuel flavor. Like it was a very like rich bud, you know, and flower that the ACDC was for us. Really heavy yielder. And it yes. seemed like when we bred it back into sort of its Afghan roots, which was we bred it back into our mothership, which has like a purple tie and a real original Afgu. It just was a marriage of you know, forever, and it created an incredible one-to-one. -one. We, we, we created a strain called the Healer from that, so, and a bunch of the family, pure certified family down in California are growing it, and then Oregon. Um, and it just seems to have a one-to-one, -one, no matter what you do with it. It's got, you know, no matter what seeds are produced from it, if you breed it back into itself, it's always a really high one-to-one. -one. Extremely flavorful, really yeah. good, really good for hash making. I think oh, it yeah. crosses over into hash making a lot more. The healer does. Yeah. It's a really good one. And you were talking about it helping with neuropathy. I think that that has been, as far as the patients who we work with, um, you know, in studies and research or in making products and medicines, really seems to be helping with neuropathy issues. Any kind of maladies with neuropathy uh, migraines, um, any kind of nerve ending pain, anything like that. It's been phenomenal for, and also, also sleeping, an incredible sleep aid, that ACDC, and then to marry it with something that has those same, you know, Afghan wide leaf sort of purple when it gets, you know, cold varietal, you know, that heavy nose of like myrcene and grapes. It's really nice. And linalool. Seems to really work out. Um, and then we started getting into the Harlesus and some of right. the, uh, those were a lot taller, at least the ones we got. The, 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 the Harlesus were very large, good sized, you know, mm. flowers and um, a little thinner leafed and uh, really beautiful flavor. We really liked growing that. Um, we had some Ringo's gift, which we got on um, the last few years, which was had an incredible spicy flavor to it. And the spice and the Ringo's gift last year was one of my favorite terpene profiles. And we didn't get those terps tested, but it was and a really, really spicy. It just had a, I don't know how to explain the type of spice that it was, but it was very rich and it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to touch on you know one-to-one -one is so healing on a real curative um you know very physical body way and then to be breeding for high thc for emotional trauma for ptsd sometimes um for people that are finding uh, you know depression because their life might be a lot of blah to have a lot of uh, psychoactive compounds, you know, with the THC, the THCA in there, and, you know, maybe a lot of the uplifting terpenes is also so important to not overlook as far as healing, you know, and Wade, you were saying it's important for people to be happy. Um, a lot of people who are already in the cannabis industry and who already consume uh, you know, quite a bit of cannabis, I, I would say, you know, those super high, bright note, high THC 
varietals can really change a mood uh, for positivity. And we've done a lot of breeding with that, you know, those really high notes, sort of, you know, thin leaf, large varietals with, um, you know, sort of the stacking thin cola buds, uh, really bright notes of oranges and lemon, lemon and, and that, that's been something that we just continue to have in our medicine cabinet and our seed uh, vault, because I think that's also important to be breeding for. Um, we, we also went to, um, in, I think it was 2012 when Colorado went legal. Um, so we went out to, uh, if, that, if I'm wrong, someone can correct us online or whatever it is, but I think it was right around there the first year Colorado went legal. We went out there, had a booth, and we were right across from Elite Cannabis um, at the time from Mountain Colorado, and they were working with, and I think this is right, Dr. Shackelford, if I'm right. Yeah. I think that was yeah. right. Yeah. He was, um, you know, from Israel. And there was a bunch of people from Israel that were there at the time, and they were really awesome. And they were talking about decarboxylating the, the, the herb in the oven and, and getting more potency out of it and making medicine from that. And uh, they also were beginning to work with Colorado State University at the time. And I think that's when they created, I think they created the remedy and also yeah. the shack attack. I'm pretty sure. And those were like early high CBD varietals, which are starting to come in above like 20 the, the original ACDC we had was around 19%. And again, that's just testing. So that, that could be off due to a lab, but they were high, high varietals. So we also started to get to know um, Centennial Seeds out in, um, out in Colorado and um, a lot of the early breeding um, that was going out there uh, and John and the 707 grows and all the, those families. So we started to grow in like the auto and some of the cherry wines and some of the champagnes. And then we started, you know, our pure certified group. A lot of came from the hemp, hemp fields farm was doing a lot of work with the cherry wines and different things out there. So we started to see how hemp was coming in as a source of CBD and um, how some of the hemp was starting to become really flavorful and really move out of, you know, the food and fiber hemp and really into more of the real juicy flavored varietals and that was really cool to see and then when when sovereign fields and and those those families started making like the kush hemp and started getting into being able to breed and isolate the the cbd and getting into that was super interesting and and the, those families are we you know big up to them they're really kind of you know moving things along with with genetics and stuff so um and i think as as you know whether we're talking about high cbd or high THC varietals or stage one, you know, or, or any of the one-to-one -one high THC or CBD. I think that just like you were saying, Wade, it's really important for us to continue to breed in full spectrum cannabinoids. Always needs to be some CBD in there. Always, if you're breeding for high THC varietals, have some CBD in there. You'll have customers um, that are just much happier with your your breeding with your flower people are going to feel better we continuously get the feedback that the full spectrum cannabinoid um it, it just makes people feel better whether it's on the high <coughs> cbd or thc varietal so and like josh said it's been so awesome 
taking a lot of these hemp varietals and uh, you know taking it into our traditional high THC. Um, and uh, one what last just quick last thing is in Canada it's kind of technical because a lot of the hemp varieties up here are for only seed and, and hemp, you know this, Steve, um, are for like food and fiber and they're only licensed seeds are only for hemp and fi fiber. So to be a hemp farmer and, and grow high CBD hemp in Canada really doesn't make sense right now because there's not approved cultivars. So in Planta and Daryl Hudson is working on some really good breeding. A lot of the varietals that we're talking about down in South and most of the ones we we mentioned like here in British Columbia, don't finish outdoors. They they need a light deprivation in order to, to make medicine up here. So that's an issue up here. So in Canada, if you wanna grow high CBD medicine or even across the medicine, you would have to get a THC license and then you know provide those products through a THC license right now. So any high CBD, even total CBD, you'd have to use a THC license up here, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, we're, it, it's, as you know, it's a different scenario down here, but uh, it makes no sense anyway. <laughs> Hemp and cannabis are the same plant, as you know. Um, I, one of the things you said uh, really created a storm in my head uh, in a pleasant way. Um, But I forgot it. So, huh. <laughs> Lord. yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, what type of traits do you guys look for in a male? Uh, I think a lot of people know what a good female looks like, or at least think they know what a good female looks like. But not a lot of people know what traits to look for in a male. Uh, I know one of the things that I really like to look for is uh, doing stem rubs and trying to see what kind of preview. Uh, on those terpenes I can get. Um, and, and also if I can, uh, growing some a little bit ahead of time and, and letting them you know, mature past uh, pollen dumping and allowing those trichome heads to, to mature a lot more, uh, again, can really help you really see what that potential is on it. Uh, what advice do you guys have uh, uh, for um, determining the best male for breeding programs? Uh, uh, and then maybe like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe in the case of maybe open pollination, we are trying to take maybe the best third or 50% of the males, and then maybe in a, in a more closed situation, maybe we're just trying to look for an all-star. Uh, what, what, what are you looking for as far as, as traits? Um, well, you know, we, we definitely will start all of our seeds the same because you don't know at first and we'll dowsing them and we'll put them in our mouth and we'll do all the, the mood planting. And so it's important that the seed comes up in our environment, first of all. So the, the male has to come up in our soil that, that we started with. We're not using, you know, nursery soil or anything. We're using soil pretty much right out of our compost. Maybe it's not as rich as garden soil, but it's biologically active and indigenous, indigenous microorganisms are everything's, you know, very active in there. So that seed will have wanted to, you know, come up really vigorously and we'll, we'll kind of take note of the, the field of plants that we're growing with. I mean, it's nice 
to be able to ability and an area to expand your genetics through open pollination and using multiple males, you know, in an area that's far away from your garden, then I think that's a really good thing for genetics and it's a, and it's, a, and it's an important and positive thing. So, you know, having said that, you know, to choose a male, you know, it is difficult. Um, and maybe, you know, if you have a lab that you're working with or a field testing kit, you might want to test the cannabinoids in your, in your male plant early on. So one thing would maybe be a field test kit or some kind of early tissue sampling of your male for specific genetics or specific chemotypes. So, you know, say in Wade, like what he was talking about was if you're looking for high CBD or say THCV or, you know, one of the CBCs or one of the ones that are new that are coming in, you know, you might want to grow a bunch and, and isolate the males through testing. Um, and you already mentioned stem rub. Um, another thing would be just color, of course, in the stem. You can see colors in the stem and in the stalk. Um, node spacing and strength to me, a male plant, and this is just you know, a thought right now, and, and, but is, is a strong plant that can support itself, um, is uh, that grows, doesn't have to grow tall necessarily. And, you know, I would just look for something that, you know, can support itself and has a really strong flavor in a stem rub and also creates a lot of flower at the top. Some males, you know, um, don't actually make a lot of flower. And I think there, again, I think there's magic to all breeding. So I, I even coming up with like things that I look for doesn't mean that there's still not magic afoot. So, I, and I love that about cannabis. So I just, it's fractal medicine and everything's possible. But, but when you're choosing something, you know, and then if you're in regenerative farm and you're growing in the, out in the field, like we are, you know, a lot of our plants are in nurseries only for a short time and they may not show male and then we might want to plant them in the, in the ground. So there's like a technical thing there, you know, so it's, it's almost a leap of faith. Sometimes you just grow a bunch in pots and you just take the best male out of the pots, you know, and you put it off to the side. Or in this case, this year, we dug plants up out of our greenhouse that we thought were just, I mean, it's kind of obvious when you find an amazing male, you know, because they're just really strong terpenes, you know, and the, the leaves, like, again, we like to, to go for a color you know, and our glazed ghost, we got this beautiful reds and everything. So we had these reds stopped, you know, things. So we're looking for that. And then we bring it inside. And, um, and then there's, there's multiple ways to keep the male pollen from that point. And digging it up, it would just need to be moist and in the shade for at least a day or, two, you know, a bunch of, like a week. It has to be totally in the shade for a week and very moist in the roots and you'd want to like transplant it right into a pot. It, it will stay alive. And I think you want to let the pollen build as much as possible before you do that and fill it up but not contaminate your garden and then dig it up and then bring it inside and put it on your deck or somewhere, you know, in the shade but not so in the shade that it doesn't keep progressing. So after about a week, it's nice to get a, a little bit of sun on there. So the plant like is stimulated to continue growing. So, and I'll just, and I'll let other people talk and Kelly has a lot of things to say too, yeah. probably. But <laughs> another thing is, so if, if you're gonna do um, uh, cutting the top off your mail, you know, is another thing. You could grow a bunch of males in your garden in the ground and then right before the male flower is gonna, 
is going to pop all of its pollen, you can cut the top off and put it in water and keep it in a vase over, over a glass table. And then um, that pollen will continue to um, uh, progress and it'll dump out on the table. So uh, Daniel from Heart Rock has some amazing, you know, work that he's been doing because he made like 140 different varieties this year. And there's some people out there that are doing some incredible work with multiple males and creating male pollen boxes, male boxes that stack on themselves. Hello. That so male, you know, male, yeah, male boxes um, that you can stack on. So there's lots of different ways to to keep a male, and it, it is technical. Once you find a male that really does provide it, it can make a lot of sense to clone it. You know, some of the more heady elite varieties are done from a cloned male that you just know some of the chem dog, you know, varieties can save or you know from the uh, really incredible man that always made a really chem you know dominant plant so if you find a male that translates into breeding it can make a lot of sense to to, to make a clone so that's one those are some thoughts on males yeah all of that <laughs> um i would i would just add to it um or reinforce what Josh, one of the first things Josh said going into that beautiful rap was uh, know the lineage of the seeds you're working with. And, uh, and then I love the idea, and this is also what I do. I, I look for color. I look for the structure of the plant. I look for, um, one of the things I try and pay attention to is how quickly does this male flower compared to uh, other males, uh, because one of the things that I've been looking for is uh, plants that will finish earlier. So my assumption is that a male that finish, that comes earlier than another male is likely to induce earlier flowering in the offspring of that plant. Um, obviously a stem rub to see what sort of terpenes are going on. And yes, I have at different points in the work actually uh, kept males going, uh, sent samples off for analytical testing and found uh, males that were of interest. But long before I got to that point, there was a whole selection process around smell and structure of the plant and vitality. And I don't necessarily look for tall things. I look, I look for plants that have the right smell, the right color and uh, a certain kind of electric vitality. I don't really know I've tried to describe what it is I look for in plants that I'm that become of interest, if you will. Um, and there's a certain kind of vitality, um, a vividness in their growth. I don't know. It's there's a bunch of different ways that you could describe it, but it really has to do with I think of it as sitting with the plants, really paying attention to each individual plant and seeing what he or she has to say to you, right? So, uh, and then uh, the other thing that you said that I like a lot, it's something that uh, I'm playing with uh, here in Northern California is the idea of finding plants that seem to do really well in our environment and let them go wild. 
let them grow in a stand off away from your cannabis garden where males and females can be together. Let them make seeds, let those seeds fall to the ground, come back the next year, see what's going on. And my take on it is, yes, you'll get a mad salad of different things, but you'll also get a seed line that is pretty well adapted to the environment you're in. And then I think you can start looking for stars in that group that you might then have analytical testing done on and or do the old field test, you know, flower a little bit of it and smoke it, see what it does for you. Um, but yeah, the males, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, breeding, I think it's insanely simple to do breeding. It's quite challenging and time consuming to do it well. It takes effort and attention and time. So, um, and I do think that there's a certain amount of, there's been way too much breeding done that uh, wasn't very focused with uh, the cannabis plant, which sounds like the exact opposite of what I was just saying about letting plants go wild. But um, I think we are, uh, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> Let's talk good news. Uh, so, uh... <clears throat> I know uh, uh, both of you guys uh, have worked on different unique things. I know uh, uh, Dragonfly, you guys have been working on a, on a very peculiar looking cultivar. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about that one? Looks a little bit different. Sure. Um, we just had the ruffle plant come back. We, um, it was part of our, we'd seen it a couple times before in our old outdoor um, it's, it's cool that you're, you're actually asking us about it today because today um, it came down, uh, the, the ruffle plants, you know, and that was really exciting. Beautiful harvest of the ruffles. Um, and yeah, that was a long lineage of our outdoor white grizzly, which was some Lesquiti Island mixed with some inland BC varietals for, for early finishing, huh? Yeah, yeah, white grizzly. And then um, we had seen it, but it wasn't something that we were interested in keeping because it was just didn't really make big flower, you know, it was really small, it might have gotten shaded out by all of the other really tall plants that, um, you know, we were working with at the time, so it wasn't anything of interest. And then when it came back, we thought, whoa, it's really amazing because we sent the seeds down to Oregon, gave it to our friends who are the Peace Seedlings, a uh, great family down there. And they bred it with um, a couple of different varietals. They called it the, papaya. yeah, some papaya strains. And then we got it back from them after them working with it for like 10 or 12 years. And they got some varietals out of it too that, that were also interesting leafed and it just started kind of yeah. showing itself. Yeah, so out of maybe, I don't know, 30 seeds or something, over half of them were showing some really interesting leaf patterning. And yeah, so. It's, it's not a really vigorous plant. I mean, it's extremely beautiful, really interesting. 
grows really short. Um, it, the males are not vigorous. We had a really, really hard time keeping the males and getting pollen from them. So um, breeding them has, has been really difficult. Like we'll see if we even get through this generation this year. We only had, I think a total of five plants this year of them. So even for us, they're, they're super unique. I mean, they're, they're, it's not gonna be a thing where we have a bunch of seeds available or anything like that. Like, it's sort of like this wow thing. Um, th it, this year, it has made a really amazing um, fermented papaya, really fruity flavor. I mean, it, it really does, you know, some papayas have that kind of bile, rancid kind of flavor. I mean, it does smell good where sometimes bile's bad, but um, but um, it has a really nice papaya flavor. Um, yeah, so that that's that the the ruffle plant is what we've been calling it. Kelly's got some uh, some leaf uh, patterns of it right there, um, and it's it's really beautiful. So it's been fun, you know. We we grow a lot of seeds every year, and we have ever since, you know. You know, 1999 was our first year growing, you know, hundreds of seeds and, and every year we've grown hundreds and, and now thousands of seeds. And so we see a lot of a lot of things. And, and this is one of the most unique things we've seen. Mm -hmm. so, and, that, and that's been really fun. And also, you know, not only does it like Josh said that it's got an interesting terpene um, uh, blend it, it really does so as interesting as the leaves are is as interesting as the terpene profile is on it really it's, quite know, different there's other there's other plants out there that look like it and it's just cool to see you know what what the plant does you know it's just genetics you know it's just and we're gonna things. get it we're gonna get it tested this year um so that's really exciting so we're gonna do some wide uh testing with it and see if we can see anything that um, has come up differently. But I'm sure that the terpene percentages are gonna be really high, which is exciting on that. And they are such lovely, beautiful, frilly plants that grow low to the ground. Like I could see them in just luscious landscaping and in and amongst, you know, flowers and suburbia or whatever. And yeah, and it seems that the flowering on them I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but definitely is going, you know, well into 10 weeks or whatever. It was a much later flower for us, um, even in our light depth situation. So that was really fun to, to, to check it out. Other breeding that we've been doing is outdoor, non-assisted, you know, genetics, um, working with some auto flowers from Heart Rock, um, those lion claws and all those variations are just superb and people should totally look up you know what what line what's what's going on there um also just mixing that with things that are happening up here in the british Columbian family and in our genetics but we've been always making genetics so we really do like to grow under the sun without you know assistance and still get those strong terps i think sometimes the terpenes in outdoor grown cultivars here in british columbia maybe not quite as flavorful and as dank as, as you want them to be. So if we can bring more flavor into an early finishing cultivar, um, those are gonna be our intentions if we're gonna you know, go for intentions. So bringing that, that flavor into the, the fruities and the foxy fruities and the different things that are happening up here are a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, also just the hash varieties that the pure certified groups are working with and the, the raw 
the hash dumping varieties, um, you know, are something of interest to us. And we're continuing to grow a lot of different varieties of that. Um, our big focus here is, is CBD and, and medicine varieties because of our myco canna caps and our, you know, medicinal mushroom cannabis uh, medicine that we make. So that's- And also our decision to work with hemp up here in Canada. So that has been, you know, a decision that we've decided, you know, to, to continue moving forth, moving hemp forward um, and, and going towards that, you know, licensure is, is what was what we've settled on up here. So hemp seems to be a real focus. And what we were talking about earlier is a lot of the really beautiful dumping, high percentage CBD varietals um, don't finish up here on time. So we've been taking those early finishing uh, auto flower varietals, breeding them into the high CBD varietals and now it's just going to be a matter of just testing, testing, testing to try to breed out that THC so that we've got a really early finishing, beautiful nose, sort of everything that you want out of a cannabis flower that's CBD, but is still under the definition of hemp, which again, Wade, I wanted to recognize I mean, what you were saying, cannabis is cannabis. And when we're talking about the word hemp, we're just talking about it under the 0.3% THC varietal. We are not differentiating the plants at all. We're only differentiating the percentage of THC. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing that folks have to do in order to work in the hemp space. And, uh, you know, from my point of view, the beauty of the hemp space is the opportunity to look at other cannabinoids that the plant can express. And because uh, the only issue is THC. So, uh, and as we've talked, you know, the plant is totally capable of expressing many things. Um, I, this, this year, I have not done much breeding. I've, uh, I got busy uh, first six months of the year in Utah, helping uh, what's now the the Utah cannabis market is the dispensary pharmacy that I helped get products together for and get it on the shelf and uh, did a bunch of work there this year, um, but did not have a chance to do to really get much of anything started this year in our garden. Um, I got uh, last year when we had the the dim pure hive gathering. Uh, some of the folks. We we had that little seed exchange going on there. Uh, I got some seeds from one of the families um, of loving laughter, I think it's called. Uh, and I started some of those in um, in April. I came home for a few days and started some seeds and uh, had somebody keep them going. And we got them out. And they're doing really beautifully in our garden. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the cannabinoid profile is like on it. The sample that I tried last year was really lovely. It's got some beautiful terpenes expressing. Looking forward to seeing how that works. Would love to, uh, at some point, maybe hook up uh, getting some of those healer seeds. That one-to-one -one thing that you were talking about sounds really magnificent. Uh, because again, I'm pretty convinced that's, that's the real need right now is, is bridging that gap between cannabis and hemp. Um, um, the other thing that I wanted to say is uh, I 
do have a number of projects that I was working on last year uh, that I'm looking forward to getting started again with this coming year. Um, the, um, yeah, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. I've, uh, it's been a really interesting year. I have uh, a number of plants that got started as late as uh, seeds that got cracked in, uh, at the end of May after Memorial Day. Uh, and they're going to produce flowers. They're not going to be real huge plants, but it's going to be fun to see what they do. Um, and it's really fascinating to me. Um, we have, I don't know, 10 plants in the garden, something like that. And uh, one of them that was one of the ones we started in April has gotten of a size that's more typically a seed sprouted in February. March when Pisces moon is going on. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it is. It's a, uh, it's a cross we did a couple years ago of um, Valentine was the father plant and uh, the mother plant was uh, something called Cashy's honey. And um, I think Cashy's honey is one of the type two CBD and THC cultivars of cannabis that likely will see some interest. And it's a fascinating plant to me because when I take it for analytical testing, the cannabinoids of THC and CBD are pretty low, both in single digits. But when I look at the plant, it's heavily laden with trichomes. I love the smell of it. And what I have found is over the years that we've been growing it, this is our fourth year of working with this plant, um, a number of the folks who have worked on the farm with us are uh, veterans of those all expense paid tours that the Marine Corps is offering around the world these days. And some of them suffer with PTSD and they to a man love this plant. They report being able, they have appetite again, they're able to sleep. Uh, one of the fellows had a, a wound in his gut that uh, the surgical repairs necessary for, to repair that wound uh, didn't work out real well. So he has real trouble with his diet. He says he can smoke a joint and eat a meal and it works for him. I'm pretty convinced Cassius honey is one of those plants that's producing cannabinoids we're not even testing for. And I think that one of the things that's most interesting about the cannabis plant when we start talking about hemp or cannabis uh, the other cannabinoids, the, the ones other than THC, uh, the science on this plant is so new. Uh, what's true is we don't really know what all these different cannabinoids are and what their functions are and how they affect our bodies. We know something about THC. We know quite a bit about CBD. We're, knowing, we're learning more about CBC and CBG and some of the other ones. But there's cannabinoids that have alphanumeric names. They don't even have a name. They're just a series of numbers and letters that are showing great promise in cancer, for example. Um, so to me, the, the real beauty of the cannabis space at the moment is, is, is in breeding, we're finding new things. But the, the key point there is folks need to be testing. You, you need to invest in analytical testing so you actually know what you've got. Um, because yeah, this plant is in fact the healing of the people. It's, it's a real thing. Uh, and the science 
is catching up with folk wisdom. That's really my take on it. Uh, we, in working with this plant, those of us who have worked with it for years, um, know the effects that it can have, including psychoactivity, which again, I love. Uh, but when I see some of the benefits that people with severe conditions can experience, it's just, uh, I, I sound like a snake oil salesman here, but uh, it really is the healing of the people. And I'll leave it at that. And the healing of the earth. I'll just, you know, continue with that. And I think just to jump, jump on what you were talking Sorry, Steve, about. Sorry, Steve, is it okay if we continue? Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say definitely not snake oil. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, is that, you know, we, we've always said, and I know a lot of us um, who are breeders are saying that we breed for cannabinoids that we don't know about yet, just like you had said, Wade. And I think that since we are breeding for cannabinoids that we don't know about, what we do know is that when the plant is in its ultimate potential health, then it has the ability to produce you know, it's ultimate potential cannabinoid profile, it's ultimate potential terpene profile. So, you know, I cannot stress enough that breeding, you know, should be done with the thought first of the plant's health and well-being. How is the plant's health and well-being? Where, where is the plant? You know, let's, let's, let's really caretake this plant because we want the next generation of the plant to be as optimal as it possibly can be. So deep soil, living soils, beautiful beneficial microbiology that create dynamic um, dispersion of nutrients and minerals and give the plant an opportunity to uptake nutrients and minerals at, at its whim whenever it wants to. You know, we know that plant uptakes nutrients um, if it's feeling stressed. It might want a specific uh, uh, mineral compounds that it's looking for. It's not just like this NPK, let's, you know, when we're doing a vegetative, a vegetative has this. Well, it has a wide variety of food sources, no different than what humans, you know, so have, we're interested. Yeah, so it can produce a wide variety of cannabinoids and that we know that that interaction of microbiology underneath the soil, I do believe has tremendous impact on cannabinoids and terpene profiles and the medicine that it's producing because that's what makes the medicine is what it's being fed and what it's being fed is underneath <sighs> the ground and underneath the ground creates this endophytic you know, microbiome within the plant and the more diversity that we have in the soil, the more diversity that we have inside the microbiome of the plant, which is the more diversity that we have in its medicinal compounds. It's, it's pretty simple. So let's treat the plant really, really well, and then we'll get wonderful bounty out of it. And I, I, if I can, um, I just like to say it's also a sentient being. And if we look at it as a, from a plant medicine standpoint and a nature spirit plant medicine as you're growing a plant it's forming its medicine with you 
in conjunction with your existence, in conjunction with your vibration and everything that you're thinking and feeling. So as you're growing and evolving in that year, the plant is growing and evolving with you. And it has the ability to, to make medicine for you. So every person being able to breed for themselves is probably the best thing in the world. So, you know, I mean, and, you know, for yourself, you know, ideally, if you're growing your own medicine, maybe you're using some of your own urine or some of your own food scraps or some of your own maybe humanure or some kind of things that are of your body, of your DNA, the plant's going to uptake that and create medicine that's for you. So ultimately, you, you, you could grow your own healing medicine better than anyone could. So, And I think that... You know, and adding to what Josh was saying is that the seeds that are being made in 2020 are incredibly valuable to our human evolution. I cannot say that enough. We are in an incredible year. We are in transition time. We are in awakening. Whatever it is that you want to call it, people are feeling it whether you're feeling it in stress, whether you're feeling it in pure joy, whatever, we're all feeling a lot of things. So, so is the cannabis plant because it does live and coexist with our human consciousness that it too is uptaking an incredible, valuable amount of knowledge in this 2020 year. So those people who did breeding in 2020, it's so important to pop those seeds and get that medicine out because these seeds have a plan for the human existence. They have a much higher intelligence that is more biological that allows us to be able to uptake it in more of a spiritual resonance. So breeding is not just taken lightly. Uh, we need to recognize that this plant is a sentient being, that it does have a higher medicinal value for our collective consciousness i love what you just said thank you all righty well what a what a great way to to conclude uh, uh day one on that wonderful note so um thanks a lot uh for joining us uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find you and your wonderful information there josh and kelly Uh, you can find us at dragonflyearthmedicine.com um, and our products are on dragonflyearthmedicine.com or on Instagram, dragonflyearthmedicine, on Facebook, dragonflyearthmedicine. Also on YouTube, we have dragonflyearthmedicine YouTube channel and there's a lot of different talks on and there. And Dem dempurefarms.com is really important to go look at the Dempure group. Also, please follow the hashtag DemPure to see all of the amazing conscious community bound cannabis cultured farmers doing amazing work out there educators farmers um yeah so and right Dem you know Pure and, and if, if we could just take very you know a very short moment to just recognize that a lot of our family members right now are scrambling right now to save their farm and you know we are all working together wade we've all been in touch steve and and everyone in our group you know to to see how we can mobilize and you know 
that what we can do, we are doing. And it's been really amazing to see how we've been able to support each other. And if Steve, you even reached out when the fires were going off in Oregon and everything. And I know you probably helped a lot of people. Um, you know, these are amazing times right now. And, uh, you know, what we have right now more than anything is is to focus on community and, and supporting one another because the government's not going to do it for us. And, you know, waiting for a, a, a bigger system to come down and save our lives is not going to happen, you know, and moving forward. So um, give thanks, everybody. Lots of love out to Nick and everything that happened with him out in Michigan. And, uh, and you know, and Brett, Brett down in Santa Cruz and... Uh, and many, you know, many every, everyone else out there, you know, that's scrambling our, our hearts out there. Reach out to any of us if you need any help, please. And, uh, you know, we're happy to try and do what we can. Even from afar, we still feel like we're connected. So, And a lot of people who are breeders who have been doing tremendous amount of life work have lost their entire seed collection. So those of you out there who are breeders, put together some love packets. Get in touch with us. There's some breeders out there and people who have just been giving and giving and giving away their seed collections because of the fires in the last many years, because of raids, because of people being ripped off, because we, you know, are still standing strong for a plant that continues to be prosecuted in a lot of states. We are the holders of the medicine. So all of you people out there who are holders of the medicine, please hold on to this and share it because it's not valuable unless you share it. It's not valuable unless those seeds are popped in the earth. It's not valuable until it has that interaction of earth, human, water, sun existence. So let's continue breeding. Let's continue coming together um, and doing away with divisiveness, like Josh said, bringing more polyculture into our lives of humanity, into our gardens and um, into our seed collections and, and as well as into our medicinal values. And in, and in preparation of fires, um, before you go and burn off all your sticks and burn off everything to save yourself from a fire, consider burying it in the earth. Consider taking all your sticks or any trees that you're taking down and chipping it and sequestering it in the earth and building a garden over it because it can last a lot longer in the earth as a, uh, you know, as a rhizosphere. And if there's anything I know that Wade is talking about and tricks that you've been talking about today, Dempure Collective is an amazing group to turn to um, over and over again, the regenerative group out there, even beyond Dempure. If we don't have the answers, I'll tell you what, there is some incredibly intelligent, connected, biologically intact <laughs> brains out there in this cannabis industry that are here to save the world that can get the right information to you. So reach out. We are also open to all of you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and cool. what about you, Wade? What's your website? Um, our website is uh, available at houseofharlequin.org. Um, and uh, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. Those are both uh, the house. Part of it is spelled H-A-U-S as versus H-O-U-S-E, like our uh, website is. And we're working on fixing that. But there it is at the moment. Um, I 
Yeah, I don't know. I've, uh, there's a number of videos of me chatting out there. I'm working on an educational series with uh, our local dispensary. Uh, they want uh, a package of videos and uh, interactive meetings where I can inform the, the end user about what, what do we mean by cannabis medicine. And um, I keep getting reminded that most people don't really have any sense at all of what they're talking about, what we're talking about when I launch into my things about cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoid clinical cannabinoid deficiencies and blah, 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 blah. They, 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 they lose it. So yeah, I'm really focused on trying to inform folk what it is that's possible and how they can go about taking charge for themselves to use cannabis as medicine. And I, in my curriculum vitae, if you will, my CV of accomplishments or things that I've done in my life, uh, being able to join the Dragonfly Earth Medicine family as a Dem Pure Farmer is, I consider, one of the highest awards I've received in my life. So much respect to you, Josh and Kelly, for what you've created and the uh, family of people you have drawn to your work. Thank you for letting me part of the party. And on that note, thank you, Steve. Uh, I'm loving uh, the, the show you've done today. There was some uh, great guests and some really big data drops going on there, some good information. So looking forward to being able to view the whole thing at my leisure someday when I have time. <laughs> All right, much and, love. And one more thing, um, Trix, I just wanted to thank you so much. You continue to information, you continue to spark this greater community. You continue to be an unbelievable voice for the cannabis plant. For regenerative you're always pushing forward you're always trying to get it i just i just appreciate you and the war drop for people that you're just you're just a gem in this world I'm, I'm just so thankful for you so we're really honored to be on today and i'm just so thankful to have you in my life and all of that right at youtube babe wow you you know so so much love for the work um, that you have put out and continue to put out into the universal flow. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for that. And thanks for all the work that you guys do. You guys really bring together more people than just about anybody that I know. So thanks again. And, uh, you know, you guys are part of the inspiration for, for this, the wonderful event that you guys threw last year. And I feel so blessed to be part of that. It was right before a big life event in my life and uh, it helped me through that quite a bit. So I really appreciate it. Big respect to you. Yeah, thank you, Steve. We like to call him Tricks because he's got tricks up as Steve. So I'm just <laughs> so now you know, everybody just, uh, knows. Just so you know, call him Tricks. <laughs> tricks up as Steve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate right. everyone taking the time to come on. Um, if you like this content and you want to help us pay for the servers and everything that we use for the website, we do have a couple T-shirts for sale. Um, you can you can buy them if you want to help support it. Uh, other than that, everyone's link is in their description. Uh, I believe I have everyone's link to um, uh, their websites. I will. I think there's one or two I need to go back and add in for, over the course of the day that people surprise me on, uh, and, and I'll make sure those are updated. Um, this whole thing will be left uh, online, and then I will break it down into individual 
uh, videos just so that people can watch them on an individual hour basis, just so it's not quite a quite a slog to find your favorite talk. Um, uh, but after that, I will take down the, the whole eight hour or nine hour uh, uh, broadcast. But until then, uh, I will leave it up. So thanks everybody for watching. I know we've had quite a few people ask if they could uh, go back and, and watch it. So thanks again, everybody. And um, we will catch you guys again tomorrow at 8 a.m. Pacific. Take care. Cheers. Thank you, Steve. Tricks. <laughs> <laughs>